Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I'm Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pibus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 10. We've made it to double figures now and 2018. Um, not without the issues though. We went to go record today and we had a special guest lined up, which we'll talk about soon. Um, but yeah, got into Donovan's house and his sound card had blown. So I'll let you talk about the issues, Don, because you're more... Uh, <laughs> techie than I am yeah so the sound card that we've been using to record the podcast is um you know a pretty good sound card but over the summer that I've not been home it somehow has died and today to add an extra bit of challenge to this I'm calling in from Queensland at the moment so it's uh you know we've got a time zone difference and also a sound card that didn't work We've managed to get another sound card that is doing the job, and if you're listening to this, that means all the technical issues, we've, we've prevailed over all of them, which is, is good, because I think this was, has been a bit of a challenge, but the proof's in the pudding, if you're listening to this, that it's all worked. Yes, so hopefully you can hear us great and everything's working. Um, so if you didn't catch the end of the last podcast, Donovan is over in Queensland for work, and he will be there until, is it the 1st of May, Don? Um, well, until April the 16th, and then I'll be going off to Tasmania. So it will be, I think, over six months away from Perth, but definitely trying to get in some hiking here in Queensland and also in Tassie when the work here is finished. Yeah, and you'll arrive right bang on for the hiking season in WA. Exactly. It's perfect because I've managed to extend it. I mean, it's terribly humid here, and you know I don't like heat, but it is still walkable and at least because it's humid there's lushness and waterfalls as opposed to dryness and fires which is what you guys are experiencing at the moment yeah so unfortunately that's what we've had to deal with and that's going to be one of the topics so joining us today is michelle from walking two by two welcome back michelle hi guys thanks for having me back so the reason we have Michelle on is she has created a documentary on the Billman and the people who use it, as we mentioned when she was last on, talking about dwelling up to Collie. So a lot of work's gone into her documentary and it's finally getting a premiere at the State Library on the 11th of March. Um, hopefully by the time this airs, there'll still be tickets left. So you just want to give us a, a rundown of the event, Michelle? Yes, I've got my documentary, Bibliman Journeys, which is about the track, the people who are on the track the people who love the track and the people who care for the track. And that's premiering, as you said, on the 11th of March at the State Library. And the tickets are on sale at the moment, but they're running out really fast. So if you want a ticket, you're going to want to have to get in quick. And for those of us that can't make it, which I'm talking about Don here, um, yeah. how else can you get involved? You can get involved by buying a DVD online as of the 11th of March. Excellent. So it's not going to be an online release. It will be you buy the DVD. You can buy the DVD. Okay. And one of the reasons you've done the DVD and the documentary is to be able to raise funds or part proceeds for the Billman Foundation, uh, which is no more prevalent now because we have lost the Helena campsite. Yes, yes. On my end-to-end -end walk, as a lot of you know, I had raised funds towards the foundation on my walk. The DVD or the documentary is to raise funds as well for the foundation and as it happens they really do need it at the moment especially with the loss of Helena campsite. 
Yeah, so we had a couple of weeks ago some deliberate bushfires lit out in Sawyer's Valley, and that meant that that part of the bushland is where the Bibbulmun Track goes through, and we always had this fear that another campsite would get wiped out, and yeah, our worst fears came true when the footage came to and we could see the area around Helena's all burnt out. Now, there was some hope with the helicopter shot that we could see a water tank, but yeah, eyes on the ground have confirmed that the structure's gone and can't be recovered. So that's a big blow to the track and the foundation because they've just lost a major sponsor and their offices in the city. But we're a resilient bunch at the Billman Track Foundation, so we'll bounce back and yeah, anything yeah. you can do, offer your support to the foundation. Yeah, yeah, the foundation sadly have had a hard start to 2018, but as you said, they'll bounce back and with the help of supporters, you know, they'll bounce back a lot quicker. Yep. So we've discussed this before. It's not your favourite campsite, Donovan, but it is one of the better ones and it's the first campsite that you really come across that has the valley views. Exactly. It's, you know, my favourite is probably the next one, which is Wallach in terms of the ones that are in the Helena Valley. But the thing with Helena is that, you know, the first two campsites on the Bibbulmun Track, Hewitt's Hill and Ball Creek, are okay but not amazing. And I think that what's really great about Helena is that that was the first campsite that you came to where things were really quite beautiful and stunning and you go, oh, wow, this is amazing. And also, you know, around it is a lot of wandu, which is, as you know, one of my favorite trees. So just the aspect, the way that the hut was facing the valley views. The fact that you had that ledge overlooking the valley, you had what looked like a, a stone couch made of granite that was you know, a natural feature there. It just is one of those sites that, especially in the, in the early days of the track, would probably be a major highlight. And the fact that it's gone is just devastating, really. It is one of those um, things that a lot of people say it's their favorite hut. And you know, it's just sad to, to see such a great part of the track go. Yeah, and it adds a lot of pain as well because it had just recently been redone. Um, so they'd built a deck in front of the shelter and they'd redone all the campsites. So I stayed there the end of last year and mm -hmm. it was amazing. Like you've got views no matter if you tent or if you're in the hut or the shelter. It was just a really, really nice place to be. Good news is it will get replaced. They are insured, so eventually it will get rebuilt. And as we know, every hut from here on out or every shelter is going to be the new rammed earth style. So we'll have to see how well they use the views, whether they make it the same, whether it's got that same magic. Who yeah, knows? that was something that I was thinking about when they rebuild it. I hope that they build it in the... Because that was a stretch or... A, was it a stretch style hut? No, it deep, had the two bunks with the table south? in the middle. If it had a table in the middle, it would either be a stretch or a standard... I think it might be a standard. Did have the the bits out in front where you could sit down. I, that's something that I do hope that they consider with that particular uh, location, that they don't do one of the, the Nornalup style ones, which is what they've been doing, the rammed earth in. Because I know that they've talked about maybe doing some in the, in the Deep South style or, or something like that. Because I think that the Deep South style was very good for that location in terms mm. of the views. I personally think that they would take that into consideration, especially because, as you said, it's the first one that introduces the views to the track. And they are amazing views to be able to sit there and look over the valley and to wake up with the mist in the valley. And that's something that everyone always talks about when they stay there. So I'm sure they will be 
conscious of that. Yeah. yeah. I would actually like to see, to take in the views, is do like a half hexagon. Okay. Because you'd have a back wall and then two walls at 45. I reckon the way it's sheltered, the rain shouldn't get in. And it'd kind of, I don't know, it'd be a little bit more open than what you're used to, but you'd get all the views and it'd be still quite a nice shelter maybe you have to forward your ideas onto the foundation yeah. and see what they say i'll get drawing on a napkin and see what they yeah, say exactly <laughs> get an architect in to design a special memorial hut there yeah we'll yeah. call it the, the helena style from now on yeah. yeah have its own style that's perfect yeah unfortunately bushfires came through everything's destroyed now so we have to move on um, but a big thank you has to go out to the department of fire and emergency services they did a great job of controlling the fire, making sure the one walker that was out there, he got rescued and he was minutes away from basically death. So as always, make sure when you're out in summer, you check the bushfire warnings. Don't go out on hot days. Always check for smoke. Always carry a PLB as well, just so yes. you can alert the authorities to where you are if you do get stuck. Yeah, I know there's a lot of talk where people aren't necessarily convinced that they need a PLB if they're just going on a day walk in the bush. But my thought is, if you're going to go walk in the bush, you don't know whether something's going to happen. So take one. And like you said, don't go on a really hot day. It's not worth the effort. And it's not worth putting the volunteers who come to rescue you, putting their lives at danger to save you. Yeah, totally agree. The thing I think that really upsets me about this is that it was intentionally lit by someone that really pisses me off and uh what kind of penalties would you put in place if you found this person done i think it's probably a bit unpopular but i probably have slightly draconian views as to the kind of punishments that befit this kind of activity like hung drawn and quartered in the center of mundaring or something <laughs> no i think like branding or burning of a hand or something something like that animals have died it's you have killed trees you've destroyed it's not just the beauty you've destroyed things that were living and it just seems like if you can just get away with that that just doesn't seem right really pisses me off that this was was lit by people especially because you know you guys are having such a cool and uncharacteristically wet summer over there it didn't need to happen yeah i think because we're having a cool and wet summer that's what saved the bushland in the end as well as the of course the services because the day after the fire we had torrential rain i think we broke all records yeah i think we had i know in Fremantle at least we had 140 odd millimeters it was well over the 100 mil mark yeah. um so i think that helped a lot in saving the bushland out there but i can't seem to get my head around why anybody would want to deliberately start a fire hmm the word that comes to mind for me is just unnecessary. It's totally unnecessary. Exactly. And I was watching the rain radar that whole day, just waiting for it to come because I knew the bushfire was there. Like Perth was orange. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it just it didn't it couldn't come quick enough. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah, we lost a valued campsite as, as a result of that. I think also it's important to highlight to people out there that. The track is still closed, so don't try to go through. I know that some people have and they've been escorted out of the bush. It's closed for many reasons because it's unsafe. They're not sure about the trees that have been compromised. They call them deaf... What do they call them? Widowmakers. Widows. Widowmakers. Yeah, widowmakers. Yeah, because it could still be burning the, and the exactly. structural integrity could go at any time and then you're going to get 
a tree branch on your head and then exactly. that's it. Exactly. And a lot of the underground roots have burnt through, so you've got a lot of hollowness on the ground. It's not safe to be out there and let's face it, it's not long before hiking season and the track will be open so you can wait a little while. Exactly. Yeah, we're still waiting on details of a diversion. But yeah, just be safe, be smart, just avoid the area if you can. There's still plenty of other options around Perth, so yeah, stick to those. I saw on the Bibbleman Track Facebook page some people were talking about trying to get in through through roads, and I just I wasn't sure whether they were trolling or whether it was you know legitimate because. That uh, one guy. Yeah, I'm sorry, but my first thoughts were he's a troll and he's trying to start something. Maybe he's not. I apologise if I've got that wrong. But, yeah, that was just a bit ridiculous. Yeah, it's just either yeah. sh- sheer foolishness or a troll because that, that's the only two ways it can be, I think. Yeah. So moving on from this sort of sad topic, we'll talk about something a little bit brighter and that is the track as a whole and the documentary that Michelle has made. So just give a little bit more information on kind of what drove you to create this documentary and how long it took to piece together okay how long have you got got another (laughs) hour maybe (laughs) what drove me to this well as anything in my life i start something with an idea and it just keeps expanding from there i never know where it's going to end and when i decided to walk the end to end and have it as a fundraiser My husband had bought me a drone and I had been having fun filming and mucking around with it. And I thought, well, you know what? Why not? Let's just film the track and film the people. And at first it wasn't to be a documentary, but it grew from there. And for the next six to eight months, I did a lot of filming. I walked the track walked to end to end and then went out and walked many other sections over and over again yeah so it's just exploded from there and what gave you the idea to make it about the volunteers and the track users as well instead of just doing a a pretty showcase of the billman okay well i'm a youtube freak and i love youtubing hiking tracks and especially the bibbleman because i'm always on the bibbleman it's one of my favorites There is nothing out there that shows the Bibbleman for what it is and how it's become what it is. And I thought it's such a great asset we have here and it's a unique track and a unique way that they put the track together that people need to know about it. So I decided, well, why not? Let's be that person to show that. As well as show the appreciation for the foundation and the volunteers of the people who love the track so much and keep it going and keep it to the the standard that we love. So I think it's great that you focused on the on the volunteers and all the people who make the track. Um, I just was a question that I was going to ask you was because I know that you walked the track as part of this process but the focus is not on you and I just was interested as to how that came about that you decided to omit I guess yourself from it and make it more about other people. Well, like I said, it's about the track. It's not about me. Uh, A lot of the documentaries you see on hiking, people will put up there on themselves and their journey. And you know what? It's more interesting to me to watch other people than myself. Mm. And it wasn't until a week before I finished editing that I actually put myself in the documentary because I thought I really should. I didn't want to, but I really should. So I put myself in. But no, I just wanted to showcase 
the people that were involved with the track and the people that loved the track and hear their stories and their opinions. I find that far more interesting. So one question I do have to ask, did you run into Pack Animal out there? Absolutely. He's an amazing guy. And hello, Pack Animal, if you ever do hear this. I did run into him and I did spend a couple of hours talking to him. I did beg him too to be in my documentary, but he denied. He said no, he didn't want to. It's a shame you'll have to remain a myth in <laughs> yeah. our minds for a little bit longer. Uh, yeah, love or hate Pack Animal, he's a great guy. I, I think what I find funny was that he's shorter in person than you imagine. Oh, absolutely. He reminds me of a cartoon character <laughs> as he runs along really fast. I, I've never seen anyone walk like him. Yeah, I've yet to run into him, but um, been nice to meet him one time. Just out of the blue, maybe. Oh, it is out of the blue, believe me. You don't intentionally run into him. He just appears. Um, are you planning on, on getting a DVD to him somehow? It would be pretty cool if I could. I don't know where he is. He's in Northcliffe for most of the year, isn't he? I don't know. I think that's where he bases himself. Wendy Nelson will know and get in contact with her. I'm sure she'll just be able to drop one in All his right, post Wendy, box. We'll have to have a talk. The thing is, you could just go to one of the campsites in the Bibbleman as long as it's a good sunny day. He'll be there. Yeah, that's it. I'll, ju I'll just put a note in the book out there. Say, Pack Animal, I'm looking for you. So obviously Pack Animal's not in it, but who is in it? Okay. In the documentary, you're going to find there's a lot of people in there, a lot of hikers that I met along the way, some that came out to meet me. But you also will meet Steve from the foundation. Um, and then you meet some of the volunteers like Mark from The Life of Pi. I did come out to meet you on one of my maintenance trips and I came with bananas and chocolate and, and watermelon and watermelon. That was the one request that I had. Yeah, he wasn't allowed to come and see me unless he bought the watermelon. And I got interviewed by Michelle. I'm quite actually looking forward to seeing myself on the screen. It's been weird hearing myself on the podcast, but then seeing myself while I talk, I'm a bit interested as to how that goes. Yeah, it is kind of funny because when I put myself in the documentary and then I sat and watched it, I keep hiding my face every time. I can't bear it. I could sit and watch everyone a hundred times, but I can't watch myself. Yeah, it's one of those weird things that takes a while to get used to. Um, but I'm sure you've done an excellent job and I'm sure I do not sound like an idiot at all. No, you don't <laughs> sound like an idiot. Once in my life, there you go. <laughs> but you'll be famous by the end of it. Yeah, hopefully. I don't normally... Everyone's going to know you. Yeah. I'll just have to sit there and blush in my, my premiere suit. Yes, you are wearing a suit, I believe. Yeah, everyone keeps looking at me funny when I say I have to wear a suit because it's a, a premiere. I think you should. Yeah. So if anyone, <clears throat> sorry, if anyone else is coming, I encourage you to wear a suit so I don't look like an idiot. Yeah. I, I think, why not? Let's all dress up. Let's wear something different. Yeah, it's a fun event. Hopefully everyone will rally around it for a good cause and yeah, the 80 something minutes long of entertainment. Yes, it, it's been such an amazing experience putting this together. I have never done anything like this before. I've learned along the way how to do it. There's been a lot of ups and downs. In fact, a couple of months ago, I lost all the program and my whole documentary and I had to start from scratch. That was a nightmare. But we, I got through it, and I'm really happy with the way it's turned out, and I'm looking forward to seeing all these amazing hikers come and watch the premiere. And as I said before, part proceeds will go towards build rebuild of Helena Hut. Or should I say campsite? Campsite. Shelter. Shelter. 
So I think the actual campsite and the tent pads will be done on a volunteer basis, mm. but the actual shelter has to be done by professionals just because yeah. it's insurance money yeah. coming through. So you're not going to be hiding in a corner. I might be hiding on one of the seats while the doco's playing. No, yeah. It looks amazing. Based off the trailer, which we will link on the Facebook share, it looks amazing. You've done a great job. There's some great drone footage in there. You've made good use of that. Yes, I had help from who we call Drone Boy, which happens to be my son. He's going to kill me now that I've said that loud. He's um, done an incredible job at filming. And again, he's never done anything like this before. So I've thrown him into the deep end. So between the two of us, we've managed to do some great filming of the drone and the scenery of the Bibbulmun track. If you've ever been out there, you know how amazing it is. But then to see it from a drone is just incredible. Both Donovan and I were there on your final day when you walked in from Mundaring Weir to the Northern yes, Terminus. the final day walk-in. So we did see Drone Boy in action and he is quite good at what he does and he was very organised. Yes. So you whipped him into shape for that one. You've done a great job. Yeah, no, he, he's a, he does an amazing job. He's a good sport. Yeah, the final walk-in was really good. We had a lot of people show up for that. I'm not sure if they wanted to show up for the walk or the chance to be in the documentary or both, but it was a really good turnout. And at the end of the documentary, it features and it's actually quite amazing. Yeah, no, that's the only reason I rocked up is to be in the documentary. Yeah, that'll be right. Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I was practicing my good walking. I think I got it right for the final day, but yeah. There was always the instructions from Michelle. You see that buzzing thing? Don't look at it. Yes. If you see, you hear a mosquito above your head, do not look at it. Don't yeah. look at the drone. Just act I'll, natural. Yeah. So the I, shots I wonder, of me dancing in there, that's just my normal hiking. Yeah, that's just him being normal. Mm. I wonder if any of Alyssa's normal walking appeared in it. Because whenever I ask Alyssa to just walk normally, she does a funny, like a, like, she refers to it as the dog with socks walk. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, well, we do see Alyssa, but I, I don't know. I'll have to watch it again and look for the dogs with socks walk. Because I think she might have behaved herself and, and just stuck to your, you know, just act naturally, don't look at the drone instructions. But sometimes when I, you know, I say just walk normally, it inspires her to do this dog walk. So, um, if, if it is in there, that would be funny and weird, but Well, I think not. I'll go home and look for the dog walk. Yes, I will go have a look at the video and see. Like when I try to get people just to like act natural for a photo and yeah. then they just do a weird thing, I'm just like, just point somewhere. See, I find personally myself that's very hard. I saw a picture on Facebook of two dogs and one was saying, don't look at the camera and the other one was saying okay and then looking at the camera and smiling yeah. and that is mark and myself mark my husband and myself i always have to look at the camera i always pull a face i photobomb everybody so to not look at the drone was very difficult for me but we got there in the end we did I'm looking forward to that that final day footage yeah no it was amazing footage it was really good it become quite emotional. Because there was a big ceremony and there's a lot more people at the end because there was like a halfway stop where more people joined. It would have been an emotional event. Obviously, me not finishing, I would have no idea. But for you, explain what you're going it, through on that day. It was, you know, 54 days out on the track and I wasn't always alone. Some people came out and met me and walked occasionally. But 54 days on the track is a long time. 
And then on the last day, I had a few handful of people join me. But as we walked along, more people joined in and that was pretty incredible. And at one point I actually stopped and I watched everybody walk by and I just couldn't believe how many people were out there. And then on arrival, there was more people at the end. And you had a, a couple of surprise guests on yes. Spring Street, was it? Yes, I had my mum hiding behind a tree. That was a nice surprise and I had other family members show up. That was, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Mm. On the documentary at the end, you will see a lot of people ending their journey. And there is a little surprise for another couple that had finished. Um, you'll see it. You'll have to get the documentary so you can see what it is. Oh, that's a good good teaser. You kind of, oh, now yeah. you have to buy it. Now you're going <laughs> to have to buy it. So the, obviously the foundation the documentary is about what they look after and it's also for them with part proceeds going um, yep. to the foundation. Um, how much of a support were they um, in the whole process? Well, it wasn't a project that I did alongside with them. Morally, the support's been there. So, yeah, I've been an independent project throughout the whole thing. It's just something that I've wanted to do personally to give back. It's my way of giving back to the track. Um, at this point in my life, I haven't got time to volunteer, but at least I can give something. Yeah, so I think, yeah, with the tough start to 2018 that you mentioned, I think this will probably be a good good pick-me-up for the foundation and hopefully hope spur so. people on to volunteer. It'll be interesting to see the numbers if people contact the foundation afterwards and ask, how can I get involved or how can I help? Yeah, I, I hope people watch it and see how fantastic the track is and that it is run by majority of volunteers and that's what they need they need the help uh, if you want to keep the track the way it is they need people to help volunteer or donate towards it and they have got a donation page it is one of the the comments that frequently gets raised by international walkers is the quality of the track and how well maintained it is so hopefully with everyone's support we can keep that going yeah, I've walked many tracks around the world and in Australia and there is nothing in comparison. There is no track that I've come across that is so well maintained and looked after as this one and give you the facilities that mm. you get to have a campsite, um, have some form of shelter, a, a, a drop toilet. To have that at the end of the day is an incredible thing rather than arrive at a campground in the pouring rain but there's no shelter that's mm. miserable mm. Yeah, but definitely. on the Bidlerman we've got something and that's pretty cool yeah I think and again I mean it is free to use so it's free to use it's well looked after well maintained a lot of the ones I believe like on the Appalachian Trail they're not as well maintained sadly they go to ruin yeah that's something that I've definitely heard from people who have done it they've done the Appalachian Trail as they've come here and they were expecting similar because of the you know a lot of people say that's the comparison and have been surprised that they're actually nice because they were expecting really badly maintained falling apart not very nice covered in spiders shelters and what is actually there is really world-class facilities it is but there are still spiders while there are spiders there, I think it's not to the extent where you know you're the whole you walk in and the whole thing is covered in spider webs, 
which is yeah. I think the experience that people have in, on the Appalachian is that you go there and the whole thing just looks like it's never been used in 50 years even though it has been used recently in the um, documentary there's two American boys they're not hiking together but they do end up together and one of them has hiked the Appalachian Trail and he actually compares them within the documentary so it's actually interesting to see an international perspective of the track because mm, the the Billman was based on the Appalachian Trail yes um, or Jesse Brampton's experiences on the Appalachian so it's nice that we have something similar but have then taken it to a you know a, to the, the next, next level. level yeah so with this film now having been finished and the film coming out shortly for the premiere and DVD release what's next on the cards for you Michelle I've always got my cards full. What's next is two trips on the Cape to Cape. One is with some friends to finish off their end to end. Um, and then I plan to do the Cape to Cape, but film it. After right. that, we're heading off to Europe again and we'll be walking the Alps to Adriatic. And that's in Austria, Slovenia and Italy. Will any of these be films? Um, I still haven't looked into the laws of the drone over in Austria and Slovenia once I establish that and hopefully I will be able to I've still got the project of putting together my film of the Alps walk that I did last year so that's just been sitting in my box for a while and eventually I'll get around to it yeah I've got that as well I've got folders full of photos I haven't even touched so it's one of those other day projects you just put aside yeah i've got some amazing drone footage that i took as i was hiking around the tour de mont blanc last year and it's pretty exciting to get into it but i haven't had the headspace for it at the moment Mm. well hopefully with the billman documentary coming out you'll leave that behind and you've done a good thing there so you'll have a, a chance to relax and get into that yeah i think i've found something that i really enjoy now and that is the filming uh, I never realised how much I enjoyed filming. Yeah, and you've done done a great job. So I just wanted to give us just a rundown of the premiere and how you can get tickets, what's involved. The premiere is on the 11th of March this year and it's at the State Library in Perth. It's on a Sunday at 3 till 5. So it's a good time, I think, for people to be in the city and still get home in time to go to bed before work the next day. The tickets you can get online from my site, which is walking2by2.com, and you can follow the links there and purchase the tickets. Tickets are $20 each, or if you buy a DVD as well, it's $30, or you can buy a DVD on the night for 15 So we'll have all these links up on the Facebook page at least, yes. um, and we'll on Instagram, just in case you don't have Facebook, we'll link as well which you won't actually be able to click in, but you'll be able to type it out word for word. I'd suggest, though, getting quick. I've had the ticket sales up for less than a week and we're already over the halfway mark. And any thoughts on doing maybe a second screening? I have, actually. um, Between you and me and everybody that's listening, hush, hush. I'm actually thinking of going down to Albany. If this is successful, I will go down to Albany and maybe do a smaller showing for the people that live down that way. I think that'll be well received. I think, yeah, the town of Albany will get behind that. Yeah. Good idea. If you can wait until May, that would be fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, (laughs) that'll be too close to my trip over to Europe. 
Fair enough. Or you can uh, simulate a premiere and get dressed up in a suit and watch it at home done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when, uh, when I watch the DVD here in Queensland, I'm not sure I'm going to be wearing a suit given the weather, but I'll, I'll pretend that I am. Or you can wear a suit with a pair of boardies. That sounds about right for uh, the Gold Coast. <laughs> so thank you, Michelle, for coming in. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We shall be back shortly with our next podcast. Because of this uh, interstate conversation, we... I'm not entirely sure when we'll be back, but we will be back very shortly with the next show on my recent trip to Vietnam. Thank you for listening.